and welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We just finished a classic book called In His Steps by Charles M. Sheldon, written in 1897. So a long time ago, over 100 years ago. Yeah. And uh, where did you first hear about this? Well, I think it was linked to the Shepherd of the Hills book, but I had it on my uh, shelf for years. I got it at Thrift Books, and it was a raggedy copy, but your dad, he got it out and read it and said it was great and that I needed to read it. So I tried to, you know, I was always like, it looks pretty bad. It looks like a shaggy copy, but um, then I saw a uh, on the Up Faith and Family channel, they had the movie and I just like John Schneider so I watched it and it and I was trying to talk to Bob and he was like that didn't happen in the book that didn't happen so then I kind of thought well maybe I just ought to read the book so I read saw the movie first whoa the walk of shame the walk of shame (laughs) no there's no shame no shame in this game (laughs) well anyway anywho the book as always is much better but although John Schneider is easy on the eyes (laughs) Well, I am so glad that you recommended it. So this would be considered like religious fiction, but it reads like an autobiography type thing. And come to find out this Charles Sheldon. So he was a minister and he started writing this for his Sunday night services. And um, afterward, so and that and then it got compiled and then published and everything like that. And so the main theme is really what would Jesus do and I just remember being a kid in the 90s. I had the WWJG bracelet. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that that... And that was about 100 years exactly almost when that kind of mm-hmm. came out again. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, read that part about um, about Charles Sheldon. Uh, what He was a young minister in Topeka, Kansas with a background of social work. At one point, d- disguised as an unemployed printer he tramped the streets of Topeka and was profoundly shocked by the indifference of the Christian community so he wrote this like you said to read to his congregation and that's really how it starts off with a a tramp who was looking for employment and no one in this this town of Raymond would help him and and that's and after he dies that's kind of what propels the main character Henry Maxwell to go down this walk like really uh, seek out what would Jesus do and that really changed him it changed his congregation it changed the town and then it it mm-hmm. keeps boiling over but I thought that was interesting that he really did do that he really did dress up as a tramp and so I was like that's very interesting well stories stick and facts fade so he it was what impactful and I think uh, it when he asked Henry Maxwell asked his congregation to Take the pledge with him, and we're not going to do anything, but what would Jesus do? Before we ask that question, we're not going to do anything for one year. And, man, what a difference it made in their life, but what a difference it made in his life. Mm -hmm. And I think so often, uh, and that's a simple question, what would Jesus do? But not an easy answer. No, but but if we ask that, wouldn't we save ourselves a lot of trouble and anxiousness would Jesus be anxious? Would Jesus, you know, just if we asked that? No, he said, be not anxious. So, yeah, it was wonderful. And you meet the characters and, you know, one is Rachel Winslow, who has like the voice of an angel. And she could be this big opera star 
And then another one is Virginia Page, who's a wealthy socialite, and her brother Rollin. But I have a quote here. So this was so impactful. Wait, her brother Rollin was a playboy. We'll come back yeah. to that later. Well, but. no, I'm going to tell you. He he liked, uh, Rachel was not only a beautiful, uh, in she had a beautiful voice, but she was beautiful. And so she sang at church and everything. But he did the club life and nightlife. And, and you're thinking, but this is 1897. Yeah, well, they still had that apparently. And he asked her to marry him as they're walking down the street. And she said, I wrote that down because it was, it was pretty impactful to me. He, she said no, and uh, just pretty solidly. And then he said, well, could you tell me why? Cause you can't hurt me any more than you already have. So here's her answer to him. Um, well, I do not, and I cannot love you because you have no purpose in life. What do you ever do to make the world better? You spend your time in club life, in amusements, in travel, in luxury. What is there in such a life to attract a woman? Mm. <laughs> to attract a good woman. Yeah. yeah. Or a godly woman. Mm. But, man, and um, I thought she had her head on straight. And, and the odd thing about a lot of the people that took the pledge with um, Henry Maxwell, their family's not on board with them. Like, her mom is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, her mom wanted her to, because she had a job offer to to be the opera star, to go for fame and fortune. That's what she kind of was going to, she went to school, she had, so that was the the path that she was on until Henry Maxwell proposed this to his church, and she took the pledge. So, yeah, her mom was not on board. Her mom wanted her to, they they thought that was dumb for her to turn that down. They didn't understand. And so in, instead of taking this offer for money and fame, she stays in Raymond and then she goes to it's called like the rectangle and it's like the it's the the poor district and there's a a a meeting going on and so she sings there, but she affects so many lives by using her gift down there instead of just for herself. Like a revival, meaning Mr. Gray, Mr. and Mrs. Gray, and her friend, Virginia Page, um, You and she's not the main character, but I really liked her because they would have these people that would respond to the gospel and be converted, and then she was down there, and she saw a new convert that had been converted stumbling drunk. And I loved it that she went over there, and she took that girl, Laureen, which I remember her name, uh, she took her home with her. And, I mean, everybody's like, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. And it caused a rift between her family because her, uh, was it her grandma? Mm-hmm. Left, would not, did not approve of that type of, I guess, girl coming to her house. Like, she was just appalled that Virginia would, you know, she's like, there's homes for people like that. Like, she said, put her up in a home. Mm-hmm. And that led to what I thought was really interesting. Um, there was a quote uh, that said, vast quantities of food and clothing and large sums of money were donated by the churches, the charitable societies and the civic authorities and the benevolent association. But the personal touch of the Christian disciple was very hard to secure for personal work. So, and that was that. So the, I'm sure that her grandma was good about donating, mm-hmm. but not to the point of suffering, and then n- did not want to get her hands dirty or touch anybody from there. And I think Rollin Page, her brother, was so impacted by the change that he saw in Rachel and in Virginia. 
and and probably in um, Henry Maxwell as well. And then you see, and there was a newspaper man. Uh, his business was turned upside down. There was a railroad guy. I mean, all these people are sacrificing. Mm-hmm. And that's what Rachel said at one point. She wants to, uh, she wanted to suffer for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, whoa. But uh, but how important is it for them to do it together? Mm-hmm. Because they meet after church every Sunday and they kind of keep each other accountable. But And everyone has to decide for themselves what would Jesus do in their own life. Everyone has to come to that. No one can really tell them. But I love that there is this fellowship that is so strong with the group that took the pledge. And they help each other. And so, like... They tell their story. They're just raw and honest stories. Where There was one... This guy's Milton Wright. He was a store owner. And he said, I think the first change I had to make was in my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where all of our changes come. In my thoughts about my employees, what would Jesus do? Wouldn't he establish some sort of personal relation to them uh, that he had not done in all these years? And then he says, it was hard work. So he had to call a meeting and he tells them because he doesn't even know the people that are working for him. And uh, he said, it was hard work. I had not been in the habit of it. And then you, uh, you notice that Maxwell, Henry Maxwell, the preacher, he had made a list. And then Milton Wright made a list. The newspaper guy had made a list. Like, how can I follow Christ? And at one time, Virginia Page, she said, um, we must know Jesus before we can imitate him. Mm. And then someone else said, we can't imitate, imitate Jesus if we don't know him. So they're all coming to this conclusion. I have to know him before I'm coming to him. Like you said, you do have to, and everybody had to do that, but by sharing, because uh, the newspaper man was losing money, people, he wouldn't cover the fight and he wouldn't put anything bad in there that he thought would take away from uh, the Bible teachings and all that so he was losing money but virginia page she said well how much do you need mm-hmm. and i just I, I i love that it's it reminded me of it and uh it's a wonderful life when all those people the banks are the banks closed and and jimmy stewart and his wife were fixing to go on their honeymoon they were going to have a big shindig of a honeymoon you know and they all need money and then she holds up their honeymoon money and she said how much do you need Well, that's kind of what Virginia was doing. Like, how much do you need to make this Christian newspaper work? Mm -hmm. And I mean, and they wouldn't have done that if you hadn't been vulnerable enough to share. That's true. And then the fact that I think courage is contagious. And so, you know, Henry, he really was the the first courageous one because he stepped out of his comfort zone because he was, a. I mean, he had a cush pastor job. Everything was pretty, you know, he knew how to just pop out the sermons, do his bit, but live comfortably, mm-hmm. well above comfort, more luxury and stuff. And so for him, this, and he knew this is not going to go over well with some people, mm-hmm. but he knew that this, what would Jesus do? And he did that. And uh, so I love that courage is contagious. And that was one of my memorable scenes too, when, because Rachel was, con- was courageous and she turned down the offer and then she's singing at down in the, you know, the slums the at, the, at the rectangle. And at the same time, you talked about the railroad guy who had, there was some paperwork that came across his desk that showed the company he worked for was doing illegal things. Mm-hmm. And so then he could have ignored it and still had his really high up job and position mm-hmm. and everything. 
But he's like, man, he, so he was struggling with, he knew what he needed to do. He knew what Jesus would do. He was struggling with that. And as he's going home, he passes by the rectangle and he hears Rachel singing and he know, and it's like, boom. And that was, he's like, I know what I need to do. And that helped him. And I'm like, that courage is contagious. Cause he knew that she, what she had given up to be down there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, so good to see how it's like that ripple effect, you it know, is, you, like in a pond. yeah. Well, this one, here's another Rachel. She's talking to her mom. Uh, it says, I want to do something that will cost me something in a way of sacrifice. I am hungry to suffer for something, to deny self, to imitate the life of the Savior in this world. That's good. Whoa. I know. And I, I think sometimes we we don't really want to suffer, but like you said, th- the th- you can give someone money or you can do something. But, Which is good. Yeah. But to go down there and be the hands and feet of Jesus, you will have to get your hands and feet dirty. And you will be... Like at one point, so that the first half of the book is in Raymond with Henry Maxwell. And then kind of the second half, you go to Chicago and there's uh, two other, there's a Dr. Bruce and there's a bishop. But at one point, this guy, the bishop who has been helping this one guy and it ends up getting hurt by him. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so you will, when you're putting yourself on the front lines you, you that's part of the suffering too the people that you're trying to help will probably end up hurting you in some way and this made me you know how you go through those rabbit holes it made me look at what was the world like in 1893 to 1897 they had this big uh, depression which i didn't know about yeah and grover cleveland was fixing to be elected and then so i looked that up and um it said that they were the u.s was spiraling in an economic downturn uh, and it started by the bankruptcy of Philadelphia and Reading Railroad. And they just overextended themselves, wanting to build bridges and build new stations and all that kind of stuff. But that right there was the spiral. And then it talked about, uh, I didn't write them all down, but there were three big strikes. But people were, um, there were, in the book, it talks about, so during one of their meetings in Chicago, this man says, at the end of Maxwell's talk, uh, they kind of let everybody talk. And this man stands up and he said, well, what would Jesus do in my shoes? I can't ask what he would do in your shoes, but in my shoes. I, he was a carpenter and he wanted to work, but like machines had replaced some people when in the print jobs and machines were replacing people. They just, and he said, I, I have three children and a wife and what would Jesus do? And then Maxwell asked the crowd, is there anybody here that's been through that? Because I'm sure they could answer better than I could. And you can see then how humble he is and how he's wanting a solution. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was good. I mean, what what is the solution? But it was all chaotic. And I love the, I mean, I didn't love, but it, what a message when um, the bishop was attacked and robbed. They, they said, get your hands in the air and everything. And they even heard him. But you know what he's doing the whole time? He's praying for those two people that are robbing him. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. And the, and that was, and he had stepped down from a, a huge congregation. And he had great benefit, all with the aristocratic families. And so, so he gave up all of that to go live in slums, like, because of this pledge. Um, and so, but you, you see the fruit of it and how it's changing it's deeply changing them as well as changing everybody around them. And they help make connections. And, and, and really, they're, I mean, they get the, 
there's so many things that they do. Well, one thing that stuck in my mind about Henry Maxwell, he had wanted to uh, have a big vacation, you know, and he gave his vacation money to a family in the rectangle who had never been on a vacation. Mm-hmm. And it brought him more joy, he said, than it would have if he'd went on a vacation. Yes. And I just thought, hmm. You know, so some people do that at Christmas time. Instead of getting gifts, they they give gifts mm-hmm. to like um, children that don't have anybody. You know, so I think that's the that was powerful though. I mean, powerful. And then I also like that they do talk about the different giftings. Like there's so Rachel has a cousin in Chicago. Where in the second half of the book, you meet Felicia, and you just really like Felicia. But her family, she's she doesn't fit in with her family. They're very much about focused on money and and everything because they've had I think they were millionaires Mm -hmm. so but you just really Felicia just knows that there's something better better and she's she's they call her weird Mm -hmm. you know but uh so you just really like Felicia but she has but she has this gift of cooking that she doesn't even know about Mm -hmm. you know and then through through different things that happen she gets to kind of step into that gift and ends up having this whole ministry kind of around cooking and, and all of this. Well, it, it, what, what is interesting about that? Cause her father lived for money. Money was his God. Oh, I have a quote. Can I say that? Uh, he had made money his God. As soon as that God was gone out of his little world, there was nothing more to worship. And when a man's object of worship is gone, he is no, he has no more to live for. And that's where, and that's what made me remember that we had a depression before the 1930 depression because I was thinking, and there of course were a lot of suicides during this time and all that. So it's odd, odd to me. His wife was an invalid, and then he had two girls, and that he would kill himself. But then when you see that quote, that's why. But the whole thing through all that, Felicia was just strong, mm-hmm. and her her sister Rose Rosa. She was just like in shock. She couldn't do anything. She was like, and then um, before that, the mother had, the mother was really like the dad until the end there, I guess, but she changed. She knew something was wrong, but uh, I just think that uh, if you're solid with God, like Felicia, she just powered through, you know, but. But I find it was interesting. They kind of condemned and and saw Felicia as less than them. But when trouble came, they they she recognized was, that she was the she had this light that they didn't. Well, she was a strong one, mm-hmm. you know. Just like when uh, Virginia Page she rescued Laureen in front of her friends. You know, she was not ashamed that she knew Laureen and she took Laureen home, and uh, then she saved her. Laureen ended up saving Virginia's life. Mm-hmm. So. I just think that, and then uh, Henry Maxwell had never spoke up about that, about, well, we need to maybe get rid of some of the saloons. They had never even been to the rectangle. So all this time, him and his congregation had did not associate well, Rollin, with the rectangle. Yeah. Roland was down there. Well, Roland, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, he was, but he was in the nicer clubs, so there's yeah. two different things. Yeah. But. And when Roland changes, because he was at the tent meeting with uh, Mr. Gray, and he went forward and changed. And I really like what he was doing because he said, 
there's people down here like um, Rachel and her, his sister. They're working in this real poor part, the rectangle. And he went back to those uh, to the club where he and was talking to his friends and trying to teach them about Jesus and preach the gospel to them. He said nobody comes to these young men. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I mean, and he did he did a 180. Well, I think that's a great point that because it's where is your sphere of influence at? You know, if it's if it is with the with the poor, then go to the poor. But if it is with the fluent, go to the fluent. Like, mm-hmm. where is like, where yeah, where is your sphere of influence at? And that's what he did because everyone's calling is different. And sometimes we see like we talked about that with missionary work, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's uh, not everyone is called to go on a mission Outside of the country, a lot of times we're called right where we're at. Like, you know, there's a lot of people at your work or at your school or wherever you're at that can be positively influenced. Yeah, near the end, there when they were letting the people talk, he, some of those people that weren't Christians but had looked at Christians said, in the world of business, you can't tell the difference. Mm. You can't tell the difference in someone that's a Christian and someone that's not. They all operate the same. And I said, whoa, that's pretty much a slap in the face, I think. I mean, because yeah. it should be different. And But it's cool that we got to see the transformation through this book in his steps of businessman. We got to see it through, we, we saw the transformation of ministers, what it looked like for mm-hmm. them to follow. We saw that of um, just like Rachel, the normal people. We saw the aristocrats with Virginia and her family. And then we saw the businessmen with like the newspaper guy and the Milton Wright, what that looked like because they changed so many things. They changed the whole business plan, really. You know, in in that, you know, you've heard the saying, put the big rocks in first. Well, they did that. And some of them, when they put the big rocks in first, their, their, their wife wasn't with them or their family because they liked the rich life, you know. And at one point, Henry Maxwell says, what was the trouble of this world? And then he said, it was selfishness. And I'm thinking, yeah, because when Jesus says deny self and you don't, that's selfishness. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just want to hang on to that, you know. And I just thought, wow. And, and he always prayed for, he begged for wisdom and strength. And I thought... Because at, at the end, he said, I'm not delivering a sermon anymore. I I am sharing a message. So he's actually, it's, it, it's cha- he's sharing a message out of love and devotion to these people. It's not like, uh, it's like he's bringing water for thirsty people. You know, instead of before, it's like, here's my beautiful, eloquent sermon. Mm-hmm. But here he's speaking from the heart. Did you notice that change yes. in him, which was wonderful? So let's go back to the beginning. I don't think we talked about what caused him to change. I think we hit on a little bit. So what, for Henry Maxwell, what was the catalyst of really this whole book? Well, um, yeah, like in the movie, John Schneider's The The Tramp. Well, that is one thing uh, that's a little different in the book there really is a tramp. A home, he comes in, he's kind of like a homeless pe- person. But now that I've read the background and I know the eco- uh, economic situation. So I think what happened was he lost his job. Well, he said that. And he, because of economics. He was a printer. Yeah. But you don't know that, you don't know that machines replaced him or you don't know all that. But you just know he's down on his luck. But sometimes we think, well, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what have you done? But in in the in the movie, he, he, John Schneider is kind of an angel, because he, he just disappears. But in the book, he's a real person, and he tells them, 
he tells them basically what the guy at the end of the book said. There's no difference in Christians and non-Christians. You know, what, what, because he'd been all over town. I mean, he'd been looking for help and he didn't get it. And he was sitting in this church service and he, at the end, he's like, I think he was asking him, like, what do those words mean to you? Because it was about following Jesus. Like, you know, I don't feel like y'all are doing that because, you know, I went to ask for help and no one helped me and da, da, da. And then he just ends up kind of dying there. Yeah. But he kind of let, and, and isn't it, because uh, it's easy to put God's words in your heads. Like that happened this morning with Jonah. Like the, the memory verse was children obey your parents. <laughs> well, he didn't want to do that. And then his other thing was about be nice to old people. <laughs> he was like, ah, and he'd get, you know, he was thinking, ah, I've got to obey my parents. It's easy to say children obey your parents, but then to actually do that and to follow through i think that's hard i mean because you're like i have so-and-so scripture memorized but are you doing it that's why we work so hard at school on fret not yourself because everybody was fretting on they were fretting like i want that bookmark i want this one i show you blah 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 her verse was longer than mine blah blah and i'm like what you're fretting yourself and we do that and i think that's why the stories are so helpful because we need help making that connection we need a bridge from our from knowing it to doing it. Mm-hmm. So, and and we, that's why it's, we learn from examples and stories because we see it acted out like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think we've all been in that place where we know something and we're not doing it. And then we need help making that connection of, hey, you know this, but why aren't you doing it? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, so, Maybe you know, realizing. and I think stories help us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why this is a really powerful story because you see that, you see all these different characters asking throughout the book, what would Jesus do? And you see them, what it, what it actually does in their life, the changes that they make. And the you see the results, yeah. the sacrifices and all of it. So, uh, and that's why I think Jesus used parables too. That mm-hmm. helps us get from knowing it to doing it. Mm-hmm. You, you see that acted out. Uh, one quote I had was, no young man can live in such an atmosphere of unpunished dishonesty and lawlessness without wrecking his character. So then that's when Henry Maxwell, and he gets the college superintendent to help him and everything. So they try to fight the um, the saloons and stuff like that. And that happens in Chicago as well. Because as it turned out, a Christian owned the place where the saloon was. And I was like, wow, I mean, how could that be good? That's, I mean, you know, with all the stuff that's going on, I do think it's strange, but the worse people, the worse the ec- economy was probably the more drinking, the more we relied on that alcohol. To, they rely on that to numb themselves because they can't go home to a, a wife and three babies and not feed them. But I'm saying it looks like you could have had a little bit more if you hadn't spent it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's different, I guess. And I think that that was in that Christian tenant or what do you call it? He was the proprietor, I guess. Mm-hmm. He was struggling with that. And I, I thought it was interesting that his daughter was the one that kind of helped him she, because kids ask really good questions. And I think sometimes uh, we need some we need to listen to kids because mm-hmm. his little daughter asked him because this is Chicago and it was winter and it was really cold but the affluent people were fine and his daughter was asking oh don't you own those like these tenant buildings and he was like yes and he's like oh so they must be really nice and warm down there like we are and so questions about that and 
really like oh comparing our situ- their situation to the situation down there really helped him kind of propelled him to do something about it because mm-hmm. didn't someone die someone yes. died in there yes what i thought uh and then this was a uh, i think some i can't remember if henry said this or virginia but it said uh, no man can tell until he is moved by the divine spirit what he may do or how he may change the current of a lifetime of fixed habits of thought and speech and action so, and each one of them came to theirs in time, mm-hmm. you know, like that newspaper guy was right off the bat. Well, we're not covering the fight. We're not doing, you know, and, and he never wavered, which was, you know, amazing to mm-hmm. me. I was like, Ooh. but yes, you're right. And there's some people that took the pledge and then struggled with the decision for months to and actually, and some, and then you one have a guy. And then you, Jasper, Jasper Chase. Well, you have, yeah, you see some people that did take the pledge and then turn their back on it, and it didn't work out well for them. I mean, you couldn't on the inside. Yes, he had a success. He was an author, and he had success in that, but he wasn't ever happy. Mm-mm. So I think that's telling. Very telling. It says in there, Be ye uh, therefore imitators of God as beloved children, walk. Love, even as Christ also loved you. So, and I'm thinking that's what really kind of draws you to that when you see uh, that love painted in all these different ways. Like you said, Felicia had cooking, Rachel had music, the newspaper guy, he had his newspaper and trying to keep it together. Mm-hmm. And then also the totally Henry Maxwell totally changed. He's not delivering a sermon. It's just a message of encouragement to people, and they're all walking this walk together. So I thought, hmm, powerful. Yes, so powerful. And it was, it's not a long read. I mean, uh, I'm sure different. Mine was only 164 pages, but impactful. Short, but very impactful. And I can't believe that this was written in the 1800s. I'm 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 just really impressed. And... uh, it has sold over 30 million copies. It was, Whoa. and it was a huge success during its time. And then I think it's interesting that it is still a success. And then, like I said, in the nineties, it was, I think it became popular again. And then what would Jesus do movement? And I had no idea it came from this book. So until we read this book. So, I mean, I'm telling you books can really Turn you around because I'm just saying it made me kind of wonder like every time you like you want to rush into the store, but really, should you hold the door open and let the people behind you go in first? I mean, just stuff like that. It can be little things like at the post office, just open the door, you know. And those are your what would Jesus do people? They usually are smiling. Have you ever thought about that? Mm-hmm. They're usually it's that second mile that brings a smile, and it can also be big things. I mean, are you in the profession that you're, you know, supposed to be in, or did you? And I think we you see a lot of that, especially like corporate America. Some a lot of people will get there, work hard for it, and then once they're there, it's so empty, and so they end up leaving and maybe starting their own thing, and just there's a lot more fulfillment in there. Or so I, I, I think it's important too, like where. What's it to ask those questions? What would Jesus do in my shoes? In my shoes. Yeah. And the message I think that Charles Sheldon is trying to get at too is that really if if everyone, if every Christian is living and thinking what would Jesus do, the the problems of the world would be very minimum. Like mm-hmm. 
the social problems of the world would be very minimum if everyone is if we're truly doing that walking that out and i think that was his reason and message for writing this book because there was a lot of social problems at the time and so that's what he was trying to start a movement of of reform really Mm -hmm. and getting back to um, kind of what we're what what are you to walk out what you say you believe basically well like the first century church they were selling stuff to to provide for people and so i think i think there is a big message that we you know i think social media has made it where like comparing everybody but i think what what jesus wants is sharing with everybody instead of comparing like look at this this is better this is my you know instead of like helping and i I think that's of course they had their own set of problems but they didn't have social media but they did have their own set of problems but anyway i think that is a wrap on in his steps by charles sheldon and we we appreciate you listening lending an ear friends romans countrymen lend me your ears we appreciate you lending us an ear and we hope you keep those pages turning and those book lights burning and We'll see you on the next one.